You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Austin Audible's podcast. Matt Prame, Eric Scopel on the show, and uh, today is our day where we bring in a preview of the upcoming game. We bring in an insider onto the show. We have David Woods from Bruin Report Online on the show to get you up to speed on all things UCLA. Dave, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Exciting uh, exciting game week. Uh, top 10 matchup should be a lot of fun. Yeah, these don't happen very often um, in the conference. And at Oregon, it's even rarer. Uh, this is just the sixth time a top 10 matchup has happened at Autzen. Um, the Ducks are 5-0. and A lot of those have come when Chip Kelly was the head coach um, with top 10 matchups. Uh, but let's look at year five of Chip mm-hmm. Kelly. He's been at UCLA now longer than he's been at Oregon. <laughs> um, when, when you look at this team's play on offense, what they're doing on defense, you look at the players they've brought into the system, they've recruited into the system, the skill sets that they have. How close is this unit in 2022, year five of Chip Kelly, being to what everyone envisioned when he was hired? Are they close? Are they even what, – what's what's just this team look like from what you all expected to see? It's, it's a really good contextual question um, because I think that's what a lot of UCLA fans have been kind of uh, questioning for such a long time is when is this going to look like what we – expected. Uh, and I think the short answer is right now. Um, the offense, I think, is it's not the same. Obviously, it's not the blur. Yeah. They're not um, going super up-tempo. It's much more of a NFL, you know, what guys call now a Sunday offense. Um, you know, they're utilizing a ton of tight ends. They certainly are not as run-heavy as um, those Chip Kelly teams running the blur. Um, but the efficiency, the explosiveness, um, I mean, they're leading... They're top five in points per drive. They're top five in yards per play. They're top five in generating available yards. Like I think they're of available yards. They're getting 72% of them on every drive. Um, it's, it's now operating at kind of peak capacity. Um, and I think Chip Kelly's offense, the scheme has been working now really effectively, I would say for three years. Uh, but the big difference this year is Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, he's gone from a guy who was, extremely mistake prone in those first two years. Like you would see the highs and then you would see some below the basement lows. You know, those were the empty handed fumble days. Those were the picks. Those were the 15 yard sacks. He excised the mistakes from his game. Those huge ones probably two years ago. Um, But the level at which he's playing now from a timing perspective, from a reading a defense, from a processing time perspective, uh, it's just made it so much more effective. Um, And I think that's, Really, the big key is you've got an effective scheme. It's not the differentiator that the blur was, but now he's he's got that fifth-year quarterback who's playing at an elite level, and now you're seeing just the full capacity of that offense. 
Sticking with DTR, Dave, I'm, I'm curious because he's a player this conference knows better than most players in this conference, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a simple way of putting it. Of like, he's been here five years. He's been starting every single one of the yeah. seasons. We've seen him. He talked about the growth. I'm curious, what's the explanation? Because even the, last year, I, the stats were really impressive. They are uh, 10%, 15% better yeah. across the board and just in terms of career highs in, in, in yards per attempt and completion percentage, quarterback rating. He was really good last year in all those anyway, but it's up a, a, a little bit of maybe 10%, like I said, across the board. Is this just simply a quarterback who's been around a system for a long time, kind of putting it together? Are there ancillary explanations, scheme, personnel changes? Like, how, how, what, what do you explain kind of the step he's taken? Because I, I think his stats as a passer are among the most impressive in the country. But if you consider the progress from last year to this year, and even if you go back and go two years, three years ago to now, it's, it's really an impressive, uh, I guess, progression. Oh, absolutely. And I think, so one thing that's important to keep in mind with Dorian is that he only started a single year of high school football. Um, and so from a growth curve standpoint, a ton of these guys who end up starting at the college level, especially as true freshmen, they're guys who played three years of, co- of high school football at quarterback, started all the games. You know, they were the stars then. He was playing um, uh, behind Tate Martell um, mm-hmm. at Bishop Gorman. And so he was only playing second halves. He was playing wide receiver until his junior year. So there's some of the basics of the position, I think, that were still kind of lost on him, essentially, in the first couple of years. And so you saw the immense talent, but you, you didn't see anything like consistency. I would say the big thing, if you go back and look at his statistics, is it's been incremental improvement every year. Um, he's got a tremendous work ethic. Um, the, he's one of those guys who's constantly in the offseason working, 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 working. Um, and I think he's... It's a testament to, you know, kind of intrinsic motivation, um, all that stuff. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, reps, uh, experience being the best teacher. Uh, he has played a ton of football at this point. He's played a ton of football in the same offense. You know, guys who are around for four or five years, typically there's offensive changeover. Um, you know, I mean, in college football, you're not often seeing the exact same offense, even if you're starting at a place for four years, year to year. Um, you know, it's, it's rare to have that continuity as well. So I think it's a, it's a marriage of a lot of things, but I think even anybody, even I mean, look, if, if three years ago, I would have said, I don't know about this guy as a long-term prospect. I don't know if he's going to make it. Um, and I know a lot of people wrote the book on him after the first couple of years, where it's like, this is this is not this is not a, a, a top-level FBS quarterback. Um, but I think it's it's a testament to that experience. It's a, it's a testament to kind of being on a growth curve, um, and um, you know, a, a, a head coach who trusts him um, and has always trusted him and hasn't pulled him even when he's made some pretty egregious mistakes. Um, so, and now they're bearing the fruit of that. So it uh, speaks to, you know, maybe some of that um, sticking with a guy, even when he's struggling. You know, the words hot seat and Chip Kelly never worked together in a sentence when he was in Eugene. I think those were used <laughs> a fair amount in Los Angeles the last couple of years. I, I, one of the users, yes. One of the users, Dave. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Where, 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 I guess I'll ask you, but I'll also ask just kind of your temperature check on the fan base of like, what is the six and zero start, start done to everyone down there? Is, is, has it cooled off? I mean, how, how kind of, what's the perception now with, with this hot start? I don't think there's any question that it's cooled off. Um, I think the only way it would heat back up to the extent where he would potentially be in danger this off season would be if they absolutely collapsed. And that's not losing to Oregon and USC. That's losing to Oregon, USC and ASU and Stanford too. Um, I think even if they finish the year 10 and two, where they lose both Oregon and USC, I think he's more than saved any, 
any chance that he would be fired this offseason? I mean, who's going to fire a UCLA head coach who just matched the best regular season they've ever had? Um, and then, you know, next year, it's it's still a question mark. They, they don't have a quarterback going into next year. Dorian's going to be gone, all that kind of stuff. It could set up, but it depends on what they do in the transfer portal. What, what Chip Kelly's done at UCLA is he's essentially uh, transitioned UCLA to uh, – sort of like an NFL team. They're doing free agency every offseason. You know, they've I, I won't say they've completely foregone the high school ranks for recruiting, but talent acquisition, you know, if you look at the playmakers on this year's team, Zach Charbonnet, he's a transfer. Jake Bobo, he's a transfer. Raekwon O'Neal, who's starting at left tackle and doing a really good job, he's a transfer. Um, and that's the offense where Dorian Thompson-Robinson is still the engine. On defense, it's, it's basically all transfers. So... Um, I think a lot will depend on next year, but from a from a this year standpoint, um, I, I see absolutely no chance they're talking about hot seat in this offseason. Kind of going back in history of the last couple of games between these two teams, um, we you can look at it different ways. Mm-hmm. I, I think you could argue that UCLA maybe should have been 2-0 in the last two games against Oregon. I mean, if it wasn't for a Jordan Happel 58-yard interception return, time expired in the first half in 2020, UCLA wins that game probably 35-31, uh, I believe. Right. Um, they lose 38-35. Uh, last year, you know, they had that 14 nothing lead on Oregon um, in the first half. And things weren't going good for for the Ducks. Now, on the other side of things, in both of those games, Oregon had double-digit leads in the second half against UCLA. They led 31-21 early in the third quarter uh, Mm -hmm. in 2020. And then in uh, 2021, they had a 17-point lead. And it was almost going to be a blowout. Just what's your your feel of this matchup? Is it one in which, yeah, they are equally – matched or is it a case where I don't know if Oregon if it's fair or not but I feel like Oregon kind of played down a little bit the last couple of seasons are we free free to speak ill of the departed now Um, Mario Cristobal are we free to yes so I think the 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 real lesson of the last two years is outcoached I think Chip Kelly is a better coach than Mario Cristobal and there's no question about that and there wasn't any question about that then the the what played out was Oregon's talent Um, Oregon then and now has more talent than UCLA. Um, I think what what the lesson of this upcoming game may be is how ready is Dan Lanning for a matchup against a guy like yeah. Chip Kelly? You know that offensive. What the differentiator for Chip Kelly in his time at UCLA? I said earlier there's not really a differentiator in the offense, but I will say this: his game planning is it's at another level than I've ever experienced at UCLA. Um, even when they've been bereft of talent, like really nothing. That, that first year against USC, um, pulling off a win on that three and nine team, um, that was that was pure game plan. Um, and he's got a real ability to scout out tendencies. And then what his offense is designed to do is whatever it needs to do. He's got kind of a Swiss Army knife thing to it now, where it's not there's not one thing that they're trying to do. It's okay. What is the defense trying to do? And we're going to exploit it. Um, and is Dan Lanning ready for that? Um, because if he's a little bit more ready than Mario Cristobal, then I expect Oregon's talent to play out again. But first-year head coach, first-year offensive coordinator, you know, all this kind of stuff where it's like, well, yeah. is it gonna is 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 the coaching advantage going to show up for UCLA? And if it does, 
the fact that Dorian Thompson Robinson is playing at such a high level, will the talent differential be so great still that Oregon's able to pull it out on talent alone? And that's, that's the lesson for this game. And that's why I'm still writing the preview for tomorrow. And I am still struggling with what I'm going to pick for this one. It, it's a hard one. Um, David, I think you just outlined a lot of the kind of questions that I have as well. You know, and I think if you look at both these teams, uh, kind of the nature of the the games leading up to this, there's a question to me of what do we make of either of these teams? Mm-hmm. Um, UCLA's non-conference schedule didn't really challenge them. And then they played two good teams, but both at home. They handled their business. And, and I was really impressed with what they did both weekends. Yep. And you look at Oregon, they laid a complete egg to open the season in right. Atlanta, about as bad as the season could start. And they've won five straight. But I think the thing I've kind of been looking at recently, is some of these wins have been impressive by margin. But how good are any of these teams? BYU has fallen apart. Washington State lost to Oregon State. Wasn't all yeah. that competitive there. Obviously, Stanford and Arizona, we kind of – I don't think either of those teams are, are good teams that are going to win a lot of games this year. So uh, I guess the thing that's hard for me, and maybe this is less a question and more of just an observation, is uh, I, I'm going to be really curious to learn coaching staffs, but also just the, the way these teams are composed of kind of like are the strengths we've seen to this point really strengths that separate you from good competition or are they strengths that separate you from kind of mediocre competition and I think specifically for Oregon it's it's the run game offensively and it's Bo Nix as a quarterback but Bo hasn't really been put up against a tough team in a game like this besides the Georgia game and that didn't go very well yeah the thing I would say is and this is maybe me um uh, devil's advocating a little bit, but even that Washington State game, even with the miraculous version of that comeback, if you look at the underlying stats of that game, it was real foolishness in the red zone that kept right. that from being a blowout anyway. Um, Absolutely. Like Oregon should have won that by 10 or 14. Um, if you look at the underlying stats, obviously there was a bunch of red zone fat snafus and the whole thing, but um, I, I think Bo Nix, I mean, this is the best he's ever played. Um, and yeah, I would say challenging or no the defenses that he's played but I mean you can't argue with whatever it is is he at 12 touchdowns and three interceptions so far this year something like that uh, it's it's once yeah it's once it's since, since Georgia since Georgia and, right and Georgia's an NFL team so um <laughs> I think that um you, you look at what Oregon is doing offensively and UCLA is doing offensively it's through six games now you know I mean wh- whether the competition is poor or not if there was a lack of quality it still would have shown up um even Washington State's defense is pretty good. It's the best defense in the Pac-12, but nobody's playing defense in the Pac-12 this year, so it's really hard to say. But um, I think you can say pretty definitively, Oregon's offense is really good. UCLA's offense is really good. Uh, The defenses, you know, Oregon's statistics defensively are bad. They're very bad. A lot of that is influenced by Georgia. A lot of it's influenced by the junk time stuff against Stanford. A lot of it's influenced by just the weirdness the weirdness in in Pullman, um, but um, whether they are average or bad is a question, and whether UCLA's defense is average or below average is a question. I think there's no t- my familiarity with UCLA makes it so I can say, yeah, the defense is a lot better than last year. It still might not be good, but it's a lot better than last year because at least they're forcing teams into long drives now and they're limiting explosive plays. But if you look at the offenses UCLA's played, I think Utah's is really good. I think Washington's, you know, uh, it's pretty good. Um, but I, I don't know about the rest of them, so it's hard to say, you know, oh, yeah, that defense is going to be top 40. Um, and I think the same is true of Oregon to an extent. You know, I think the defenses improve each week. 
I don't think you can look at what they did against Oregon and what they did last week or two weeks ago in Arizona and say that's the same thing. Right. Um, but is it is it at the level where it's going to be a top 40 unit this year? Just don't know. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Dave Woods of Bruin Report Online. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, welcome back to the podcast. Um, Dave, let's go back to the offensive side and DTR here just for a second. Um, has this been, it feels like from an outside perspective, I've seen a couple of UCLA's games, but I don't watch every single play. Mm-hmm. Has their skill players improved or is this DTR lifting everybody up around him because of his play improved? How much does that translate to just the success we're seeing offensively? It's a little unknowable. My theory of it is it's a lot DTR because I, th- I don't think you can say, oh, they lost Kyle Phillips and Greg Dulcich and the receiving core improved, but that's what the stats say. Um, yeah. And the stats, you know, Jake Bobo came in from Duke and he's been an asset they didn't have previously. You know, they had Chase Coda um, lining up at that outside receiver spot for many years. I don't think they used Coda well. I, I think that's um, just. I think it was partly Dorian Thompson Robinson ISOing on his inside receivers. He was constantly thrown to the tight end of the slot. Didn't really see the outside very well. Um, Jake Bobo gives them, though, an established playmaker at that spot, whereas Coda was never really established at UCLA. Um, and so I think maybe Dorian came into the year trusting him a little bit more. But I do think a lot of it is just he's seeing the field a lot better. Um, he's seeing, you know, outside to in. He's throwing balls to places that he previously wouldn't throw at all. Um, and he's throwing more accurately and on time. So I think it's mostly a product of the quarterback, but you look at what um, Jake Bobo's done, Cam Brown has done, uh, another incoming transfer, Titus Mokiao Adamalala. Um, that just flowed off the tongue. You love that? Incredible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> was, uh, I, we struggle with those names. That was impressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, those guys have done really, really well. Um, the tight end position, I think there's no one guy who's replacing what Dulcich did. Uh, Ezekiel is good. Um, he can, he's dropped a couple of balls so far this year, but he's also, he can be a playmaker, pretty decent blocker. Um, he can be a downfield blocker, block for some big plays, um, in the receiving game. And then Hudson Habermill is a former walk-on is a pretty good receiver, but I think it's mostly Dorian Thompson Robinson, just fundamentally being better. And he's distributing the ball at a much higher rate into a wider variety of guys than he ever has before. I'm going to ask you one quick question and a, a, another question that is not quite on the same length. A, a, a couple of Oregon defenders compare DTR to Justin Fields. Is that is there, is that steeped in any fact from your perspective? Because I also asked, I, I'm, I'm, 
here's the caveat. I asked, uh, who does Cam Ward remind you of to a couple of defensive players? And they said, uh, Kyler Murray. And then we had the Washington State guy on and go, that's not a very good comparison. So what do we think about Justin Fields? For <laughs> what's, what's so funny about that comparison is uh, Tracy Pearson, who runs Bruin Report Online, he made that comparison when they were being recruited. Because uh, Chip Kelly, when he first arrived, there was a thought that he was going to try to get Justin Fields. Um, but instead, they stuck with uh, the idea of Dorian Thompson Robinson. Who knows what kind of chance they would have had at Justin Fields. Um, I don't hate the comparison. Um, it, it would have sounded ridiculous before this year. Um, right. But I think now with the way he's playing, it's just what I would say about Dorian, and this isn't really comparison level, but what he's playing like is what you expect from a fifth-year guy. Like when you see one of those fifth-year Big Ten quarterbacks who's just not you know making no mistakes in the whole thing. But he still has all that underlying talent, like that elite athleticism and that huge arm that when you combine that with the, the moxie, the experience, all that intelligence that comes with being a fifth-year guy, um, it's something to behold. Um, and uh, Justin Fields, that's a fine comparison. I mean, he's playing at a Heisman level, so I don't really – I don't know how you um, how you get away from, like, kind of these comparisons that would have seemed outlandish before this year. Um, but he's playing like it through six games, so we'll see if he can continue. Um, you know, Oregon's going to be – I, just for my money, even counting the USC game, this is the toughest game of the year um, for UCLA. So uh, if he can keep it up this weekend, then I think a lot more of those sorts of comparisons are going to be made. And, and my hey, second talk- well, oh, I, ahead, I think you're going to ask the same question, Matt. So you go ahead and ask the question I think I was going to ask. Okay, well, we haven't talked a lot about defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, both, both and justifiably, are- why do we want to talk about these defenses? That's not- <laughs> but I want to talk about Latu here for a second. Uh, sure, sure, sure. He, he's second in the conference in, in mm-hmm. sacks. He didn't play a down of football the previous two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, just how much of this is a surprise and how much of this is just a guy that was a big recruit playing to his potential? And just can you maybe speak to just the importance of his development has been for, for UCLA's defense? Well, let's start with the surprise. I wasn't sure he was going to play this year. Um, he wow. was not fully cleared in spring, um, and it wasn't until well after spring that he was medically cleared by UCLA because he'd had a serious neck issue um, that Washington had medically retired him for. Um, and so he transferred in when uh, Coach Malloy, uh, the new outside linebackers, edges coach, um, came in. He came in with him. Um, but uh, Latu has been sort of every game it seems like he's getting more comfortable playing football again. Um, you know, the first couple of games he was active, really active, but he wasn't necessarily making a ton of plays. Um, that really broke through uh, over the last few weeks. And um, what he has is a elite combination of strength, bend, and flexibility. Um, and so you'll see him, he's about 265 or so, but he can bull rush guys who are quite a bit bigger than him because he can just get low um, and he's pretty damn strong. Um, and then you combine that, he's got like the variety of moves. He's, he's got spin moves. He's got everything. But um, he does a lot, surprisingly, with his bull rush. Um, and uh, just a playmaker, really long. Um, and he's been a huge asset. You know, I think preseason, we were expecting the Murphy Twins from North Texas to be kind of the main assets for UCLA um, from a pass rushing perspective. And they've been good. I think they're who knows what those uh, pro football focus grades, oftentimes they seem very weird, but um, they've been graded very highly by pro football focus, but uh, Latu has been the uh, the revelation um, for UCLA up front. And speaking as the defense as a whole, um, UCLA's defense is structurally pretty similar to last year. 
But what they finally have, which they haven't had in many years, is a base four pass rush. And with that, a lot of this bend but don't break stuff works a lot better if you can actually rush yeah. the floor. As a recent PFF subscriber, I am so perplexed by some of the things I see Baffling. Sunday and Monday after the Dor- Dorian because- Thompson Robinson is like the eighth rated quarterback in the Pac-12 this year. Okay, yeah, I don't know, man. Well, <laughs> as Dan Landing would say, it's some people need to get out of their basements. He said that in a press conference about. Yeah, PFF. it's become an inside joke within the media up here of like, who's going to ask the PFF question to Dan? Because Dan openly. <laughs> despises pro football focus their snap counts are wrong the grades are out of whack he says so uh, that's a that's a credit to landing for sure yeah anyway uh no and i actually matt i think we we zigged and zagged there i i was thinking about a different question there but i was and i hate to do this because we just did a defense question but i mean there's more offense to talk about yeah yeah no please back to the (laughs) offense i don't the fun part i don't think dave we can go a full podcast without just talking more about zach charbonnet yeah, yeah, we haven't yeah. even mentioned his name, I don't think. I was going to say we're 23 minutes in. I think you, like – Best like, back in the Pac-12. Yeah, best back in the Pac-12. You barely mentioned him earlier talking about the transfer portal additions since, since Chip's been here. But it's like you haven't even talked about him. How dynamic is um, the combination of Dorian with the football? with with Because uh, some of it is zone mm-hmm. read. Sometimes it's just designed runs with Charbonnet. Yeah, yeah. But, but when – on like a zone read of having – DTR handle the football with the possibility of flipping it to the best and maybe the most you know dynamic runner out west. How difficult is that? And have there been teams that have really snuffed that out so far? And I ask that in part because last year Oregon was actually rather good in this matchup against Charbonnet. Mm-hmm. I think 15 for 35. But talk about a guy who's run for over 100 yards almost every game this season had almost 200 against Utah yep. most recently. Yeah, uh, he's a freak. Um, I think he's at 7.1 <laughs> yards per rush so far, um, which is that's pretty nuts because I would say early on, especially this season, um, you said his offensive line wasn't doing a great job run blocking for him. Um, I think he was getting hit after about a yard on average, basically every time. Um, just from an evaluation standpoint, he's got a really elite combination of vision. Um, for a big back, he's got great change of direction. Um, and then uh, I think he picked this up from Britton Brown, actually, after last year, but he wants to initiate contact now. Um, he wants to be the guy who's hitting you, not you hitting him. There were a couple of plays in that, um, I think it was the Utah game. They're all running together now, where he had about a 44-yard run down, and he could have just gone out of bounds. But instead, he turns back in, turns up field, and hits the DB yep. just to get like four more yards but and also to hit a guy. Um, he's got that kind of um, that drive um, that you really want in a great running back. I think from a scheme standpoint – no one's done a great job of shutting down um, the combination of those two this year. Um, and one of the reasons is Charbonnet's become a better receiver out of the backfield this year. Um, and I think that works in two ways. One, they can get it to him on pitches and stuff more um, and can get him outside a little bit quicker because he's a little bit more sure-handed and a little bit more comfortable in space. Um, and then also, y- you need to be wary of him leaking out of the backfield and catching the ball. Um, he's had a couple of big plays. Um, as a receiver this year. Um, but yeah, I mean, he and he and Dorian are, it's it's a combination that UCLA, I, I would go so far as to say is pretty close to never had, but um, it's, it's you know, Brett Hundley, Jonathan Franklin. Um, it's uh, Drew Olson, Maurice Drew. Like there's, there's some real talent in the backfield this year. Um, and it makes it very, very difficult to defend, especially when they are getting into the RPO game. Um, but uh, yeah, no, Zach Charbonnet is um, 
he's he's going to be an NFL back. I mean, he's going to be a probably a top four round pick. Um, I don't know anything about the NFL draft, but probably. I mean, I would Same if here. I was running a team, I would draft him somewhere in the top three or four rounds. Um, he's he's very very good. What are the concerns for UCLA going into this one? Are are, are there any like oh, oh man. major I, I don't yeah know. yeah? So I think uh, in this one. UCLA has – Cam Rising last week gave them a little – two weeks ago – gave them a little bit of a look of a running quarterback, um, and he gashed them a little bit. Um, you know, he was able to get some yards on the ground. Bo Nix is a different story, um, a lot faster um, and much more willing. Uh, you know, Cam Rising does it when he needs to. Uh, Bo Nix, I think, is going to be down to run whenever there's any opportunity available. I um, mean, he's averaging, what, 15 yards a run in October, something yeah. like that? Um, Correct. Yep, eight yeah, season. Season. yeah, yeah. That's 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 crazy. Um, so I think edge containment is going to be a big uh, big focus for UCLA in this game, and it's a it's an unknown um, because they've been pretty good at rushing the passer. But as anybody who's watched enough college football knows, if you're a little too aggressive rushing the passer, and that guy can run, uh, see you later. Um, and then the other thing I would say is UCLA has been bend but don't break this year. They've been really, 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 really good at preventing explosive plays. This offense, though, presents challenges that are unique uh, among the first seven teams they've played this year. Um, you know, Utah's offense is good, not explosive. Uh, Oregon's is. Oregon has the potential to, you know, go off on you. Um, and so it's going to test their tackling on the back line. It's going to test their cornerbacks in a way that they haven't been tested. Um, and so I think from a defensive standpoint, there's a lot of concerns. I think there's some weather-related concerns for the offense, but at this point, I'm willing to say the offense is going to it's going to get its points pretty much every game. But will the defense be able to generate a couple of stops? Um, and I think that's what this game is going to come down to. Which of these two defenses is going to generate two stops a half? And yeah. that's the team that's going to win, no doubt, uh, because both these offenses are really, really good. Last one for me, and I think Matt has one, too. Um, where's the belief with this team beyond this weekend? Um outcome regardless of this weekend what what are we expecting from UCLA down the stretch what would with the because you know the expectations change when a season starts the way it has I, I remember last year I was kind of skeptical of Oregon and then they won in Columbus and suddenly it's college football playoff or bust and then it was bust and everybody yeah, yeah. thought the season was a disappointment suddenly um what, what what would constitute again regardless of this outcome kind of a, a successful finish to this year is it I mean I is it college football, like or playoff or bus? Is that like something people are talking about? Is that in the conversation, or is it more conference championship? Go maybe go to a Rose Bowl, go to a big time bowl, win a game, you know, win eleven yeah. games. And I can't speak for the entire fan base, um, but from judging the tenor of things and you know my own impression of this team, if they lose this weekend, I think the the scenario where everyone is not disappointed is if there's another game between these two teams in Vegas in the first weekend of December because this is the loss for UCLA. Um, I think that's the scenario where UCLA fans would be like, oh, yeah, that was a great year no matter what. Um, I think the scenario where they lose this one and lose to USC, um, mm. while still on its face, obviously a successful year going 10-2, and two, um, that's you're, you're kept out of the Pac-12 title game um, in a year where, you know, right now UCLA from our preseason expectation has broken serve because we had them at five and one at this point because of the obviously weakness of the schedule and the weakness, the perceived weakness of Washington, which has not turned out to be exactly what we thought, um, but beating Utah instead of losing to them. 
if they won this weekend, obviously they'd be break and serve twice because we had this as a or I had this as a loss. I'm not sure what Tracy had. Um, but um, losing this weekend, it's not a it's not a it's not a season ender. It's not an end to hope. It's not an end to dreams. And I think everyone would be super satisfied if UCLA is competing for um, the Rose Bowl on December second or whatever it is. I think that would be supremely satisfying for most of the fan base. All right, Dave, we'll get you out of here with this one. What's just life like with UCLA being the best team at football in Los Angeles right now? <laughs> it, 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 I mean, like, it makes the, USC it makes... chirped a lot before they went and played somebody on the road and they got and they lost. Oh, Matt's enjoying what, this what, question. What, it, it makes what, recording what? the podcast of champions really fun with my uh, <laughs> with my favorite co-host uh, Ryan Abraham. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a it's a it's a fun and weird deal. Um, first, that both USC and UCLA decided to be good this year um, because two when, years before they bought for the league, by the way. Thanks, and, guys. When, when the hell did that last happen? Um, I think you'd have to go back to. I mean, depending on how your definition, the Sark year, but before that, it was like 2005. Um, so it's it's certainly interesting. That game on November 19th is going to be a ton of fun, um, you know, and it's at the Rose Bowl, so it'll be a little bit advantage UCLA. But yeah, for now, I think UCLA um, riding pretty high um, as the uh, as the top top dog in the uh, in the in the Southland. Dave, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate the opportunity to present some insight into UCLA ahead of this weekend. Enjoy the game. Uh, hopefully we get treated to an all-time classic. It would be awesome if that's the case. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, we'll definitely catch up with you down the road. Hopefully we, we maybe see you in Vegas. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We'll do another one of these. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. Now, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.